So tonight, we're going to continue on the prophetic with the languages of the Father. This is part 12 of that. And I'm just going to give you a little breakdown of what we're going to be learning tonight. So we may not get through all of these tonight because in each and every one of these is actually it's a lot of it's a lot of meat. <laughs> so I definitely don't want to overwhelm you with the word tonight. So I'm going to see how I get through some of these and there's still five that I'm doing, but there's a lot of depthness to each and every one of these that I'm getting ready to um, go through. So tonight we're going to be learning about um, circumstances and divine appointments. This will be together. Circumstances and divine appointments. We'll be talking about the supernatural visitations and divine appearances. We'll be talking about anointed songs, music, and dance. We'll be talking about prophetic recognition, body checks, and acts. And the last one, if we are able to get through all of these, will be the sanctified imagination sanctified imagination so like I say these are some that I want to teach more in depth because like I say not of there's not a lot of teaching on these as way as the father can speak to you so I kind of want to break it down so you'll have a, a better understanding that when this is happening so the first one we'll go through is these circumstances and divine appointments Circumstances and divine appointments. Can I get that slide? Circumstances and divine appointments. Okay. And our first scripture references, and this is for the reference of circumstances, and we'll go through what actual circumstances mean and divine appointments, but our first scripture reference is Proverbs 16 and 9. Can I get Proverbs 16 and 9? Thank you. And it says, within your heart, you can make plans for your future. But the Lord chooses the steps you take to get there. So you can purpose in your heart the plans for your future. But it says, but the Lord is the one who chooses the steps you take in order to get there. So that is our scripture reference for circumstances. Now our scripture reference for divine appointments is Acts 8, 26 through 27. Acts 8, 26 through 27. And it says, Then the Lord's angel said to Philip, Now go south from Jerusalem on the desert road to Gaza, 
He left immediately on his assignment. Along the way, he encountered an Ethiopian who believed in the God of the Jews, who was the minister of finance for Candace, queen of Ethiopia. He was on his way home from worshiping God in Jerusalem. So that is our scriptural references, reference for divine appointment. So let's get into these definitions. So you can see how this relates to these scriptures and also to your life. So circumstances, what are circumstances? Now we hear this word a lot, but to be honest with you, I sat and I thought about the word circumstance and I thought to myself, I, I couldn't really come up with a definition just off top of my head. Like we use the word, but I'm like, well, what is the definition of the word? So the basic bottom line, when you see the word circumstance, circumstances are, is the condition of your life that is created through a set of decisions you have made regarding your life. So the father has unusual circumstances that he creates to move us in a direction so that things can turn out the way he has planned. So I know a lot of times <laughs> the devil gets a whole lot of slack. We're like, oh, it's the devil. It's the devil. It's the devil. How do you know that? How do you know that? The Bible says that the Lord chooses the steps in order for you to get there. How do you know that's the devil? We think it's the devil based off of how we feel. But that's not scripture. <laughs> so our circumstances is pretty much the atmosphere or the environment or the lifestyle that we have created through a series of decisions that we have made concerning our life. So we put ourselves in circumstances because of that. The next definition is divine appointments. So because of our circumstances, meaning the decisions that we make concerning our life, the Father has sometimes has to sometimes create divine appointments. And that's actually how he gets you to get back on track like a GPS. So if you took a detour through a circumstances, mean decisions you made and you weren't supposed to make that decision, what he does is he creates a divine appointment to get you back on track. So divine appointments are things that are out of your control. You have no control over divine appointments. But it's the Holy Spirit that is leading us to them as we are open to where the Spirit of God is directing us. So our circumstances is up to us as far as our decisions and based off of our decisions it may be the fact that he needs to create a divine appointment to get you back on track. So this is one of the ways in which the father can definitely talk to you through your circumstances and through divine appointments. Let's go to Philippians 4 and 11. Philippians 4 and 11. And it says, I'm not telling you this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be satisfied in any circumstance. How do you get to that point? 
How do you get to the point where you're satisfied in every circumstance that you're in? You get to the point that you're satisfied in every circumstance because you know, just like Proverbs 16 and 19 says, the Lord chooses the steps in order to get you there. It says the enemy will set up also circumstances. So you have circumstances that you create yourself by the decisions that you make, whether they're right or wrong. And then we have the enemy that also sets up circumstances as well against the believer in order to alter and to get you to forfeit what the Father has purposed or promised you. So, for instance, if I prophesy to you that you're going to become a millionaire, we get happy, we get excited, right? Not knowing... <laughs> That the enemy knows that too. So guess what? He starts dealing with you. Maybe he starts dealing with you in the area of money. Say you're really short on money. But it was prophesied to you that you were going to be a millionaire. So guess what? So he'll create these circumstances and situations where things are tight for you to the point where you, you don't want to give. Because you're like, I don't have much. And through that, what he does is he gets you to forfeit what has already been promised to you, but not recognizing that in order to get there, you're going to have to have faith in order to get there. Because what faith does, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So your faith, your belief that he is going to do it, not according to what you have in a bank, not according to your resources, but according to what he is able to do, what he has. And according to your faith, your faith is what? The subject is the substance of things hoped for. So what are you hoping for? You're hoping to become a millionaire. So your faith, your belief, your trust, what he's able to do takes that prophecy and grabs a hold of it based off of you what? Practicing righteousness. So the Father will set up also times, seasons, and places of destiny just to get you, like he said, to an expected end. How do you get to an expected end? By a series of steps that you take, which does what? You have to be led by the Spirit in order to get there because a lot of the things it will not make sense to you at all. You have to be led by the Spirit because it won't make sense. You, you're not going to be able to comprehend it here. That's why it's faith. When we talking about the conscious mind and the ability to reason, that's all connected to natural, I want to say the, the natural giftings that you have. The ability to reason, to problem solve, all of that comes with your level of consciousness. But consciousness is not a, a spiritual gift. It's something that you're naturally born with. So you can't use your natural things that you were born with in order to understand spiritual things. So, the Holy Spirit will help direct your circumstances to get the divine appointments that the Father has already set up. So, this is how this works. Our decisions 
can bring us to unusual events and situations that may not be in our best interest. So when we resist what the Father is trying to do in our lives, it brings distress, it brings hardship, and it brings negative outcomes. So when we are resisting to what God is trying to do in our lives, we bring it upon ourselves, our own hardships. So for example, there was a time I worked at um, a company in Decatur and through a series of dreams, the father was trying to get me to understand it's time to leave. <laughs> but Knowing me, I'm like, I just need another confirmation. <laughs> I just need another one, Lord. Just send another one. He said, just send me one more. Just send another one. But through a series of dreams, he was trying to get me to see, it's, look, it's time to leave. Your time is up here. But I just kept wanting this confirmation, this confirmation, because I'm thinking to myself, if I need this confirmation because... The timing of God is important. The seasons of God is important. So this one false move could knock me out of my season. So I got to make this move correctly. So that's why I was so adamant about like I, I need as many confirmations that I could get. I'm like I was praying. I was telling the father, look, don't get upset with me. I'm, I'm just making sure. I just want to make sure this is right. But, like I say, through the series of dreams, he allowed me to see that, yes, it was. But, like I say, in the midst of that, I've learned, that's why I say, that's why the Bible says that you have to get your senses exercised. And when we talk about exercising your senses, that's not all concerning, like if we came in here to train for something. We were training you guys. So when we say exercise senses, that's a, there's a whole other side to your senses being exercised. And a lot of times your senses is being exercised through your experiences and through other people. Because that other side of it is that he's trying to refine you. He's trying to fine tune your ears to hear him. So a lot of things that you encounter won't be in here. A lot of your senses being exercised is going to be out there. So through a series of dreams um, and also all this chaos just broke out. That's a, that is another spiritual indicator that it's time to go. It becomes like one of those Jonah situations. Like everything was fine. <laughs> everything was totally fine. Then all of a sudden when things happen like that. You probably need to go pray about that situation. <laughs> because if things was peaceful, then all of a sudden it got chaotic to the point where you're like, I don't know, it might be time for me to go. Then you might need to revisit that situation because God may be trying to shake some things up to show you, look, I don't want you here. <laughs> and guess what? When you leave, that all of that chaos, it'll go down. It's just being in the right place at the right time. That he is so concerned... <laughs> about getting what belongs to you that it won't be the devil that's creating the chaos it'll be him so we have to get to the point where okay I see what you're trying to do God and stop really be honest with you blaming the devil on the stuff that he's not really even doing or 
it's one of those situations where the father has said, okay, because the devil has to get his assignments too from the father. He's directed by him too, say, okay, I'm allowing you to do this. But the devil thinking that, oh, I get to do this and cause chaos and havoc and anxiety. But in God's mind, he's like, mm, that's not, I'm doing this. I'm allowing you to do this because I'm trying to get them here. But you don't see that. But I'm going to use you. So the moral of this is that we must not resist the signs and circumstances that we are in because they are created by the Father to get our attention. And oftentimes they will not make sense. They won't make sense because you're trying to understand it with this. So it's not going to make sense. So you, a lot of times you got to tell yourself, okay, I can't really break this down here because the word tells you that the natural mind cannot receive the things of God. You have to receive those things spiritually. Those things have to be discerned. Those things have to be revealed to you. Another example is when that I personally, like I say, this you just begin to recognize this stuff as it just continues to go on and on. You can begin to recognize what God is doing. When um, when I told you guys, like when I used to work for the state and like every single year, I'm like, oh, my God, like. I was being moved every year to another position and it was when I tell you it was totally frustrated because I was moving in positions that I had even no knowledge about I'm like I don't even know how to do this stuff but just the fact that I did something else good they think that I can learn this and do this good but not even realizing like all of this was creating frustration in me and anxiety and now having like a hindsight view of everything that if I just really have focused in on the fact that and anchored myself and just trusting God and he know what he was doing, I could have saved myself a lot of frustration and a lot of heartache and a lot of pain. <laughs> and probably it could have saved my husband his ears as well because I was... <laughs> I was fired up a lot of times about the things that they were doing to me because it was just unjust stuff. Not realizing the father's like, okay, I'm doing this. He was doing it for several reasons. Number one, he was doing it to just refine me, to um, get some of the things out of me, to put some things in me. He was doing it to build me up as a supervisor to build me up as a leader because all those things only come with you having interaction with people and so it's one of those things that you have to go through that like because there's no other thing about it where how else can he refine you unless he use people <laughs> unless people get on your nerves unless people test you how else could he refine you how else could you know about peace if you don't know about chaos, how else could you know? Unless, Pete, like I say, he's using people to do that. So let's go to, let's see. We're going to go to Isaiah 22 and 22. And before I go into Isaiah 22, 22, I just want to point out that a lot of times this also would look like, for instance, if you're applying repeatedly for a specific job, but the door on that job keeps closing and you can't get it. And you're like, I know I can do this job, but you just can't get the job. 
There's several reasons why, there's, I want to say two really, there's only really two reasons why that job is not opening for you. So the first reason is that it's just not yours. <laughs> Not part of your, it's not part of your destiny, it's not part of your purpose, but you want the job for your own specific reasons, whether it's to make more money or to change um, uh, your schedule as far as the time is concerned or the days is concerned, but this job keeps closing. But he's like, no, I'm not trying to get you there, I'm trying to get you over here. So that's why that's closing. The other reason why a job may be closing, you keep repeatedly, and you like, I know this job belongs to me, is because that your spiritual maturity is not at the place where you can receive it yet. So once you begin to develop your soul and to grow and mature in God, then that will be released to you. So let's look at Isaiah 22 and 22. Kind of like our confirmation scripture concerning that. And it says, I will place upon his shoulders the key to the treasures of David's palace. He will open doors that no one can shut and he will shut doors that no one can open. Once again, who has ownership over this? The father. The devil does not have ownership of opening and closing doors. So like I say, we got to stop blaming the devil for stuff. He don't have ownership over that. It's not part of his duties. He cannot. The one who opens and shuts doors is God. Your father is the one who's doing that. Let's go to Proverbs 21 and 1. Proverbs 21 and 1 said that the king's heart is like a stream of water. Directed by who? Directed by the Lord. And who guides? He guides it wherever he pleases. He guides it. So no matter if it's a senator, a congressman, a governor, a mayor, your supervisor, the president, secretary of state, I don't care who it is. The word says that the king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. He guides it wherever he chooses to guide it. Satan don't do that. He's God in it, just like with Pharaoh. Now, we would think that that was the totally demonic, that Pharaoh, no matter what sign and wonder came, he would not let the people go. Not realizing <laughs> he's not letting them go because the heart of the king is in God's hands. <laughs> not because something the devil is doing. So, like I say, it's just one of those things that we have our way of seeing things and how we think things should be going or how we think things are operating. But he lets us know right here, I'm the one who's doing that. Because a lot of times, like I say, we don't understand even, like I say, we see the character of a person. We, say, we see people's faults. We see people's gifts. That stuff is on display, but the father's like, I can, I can use anybody. I can use a child if I wanted to. Because it's not about what we think is going on. 
is all about his plans. So, Daniel 2 and 21. I wonder if I do I have do I have Daniel? Yeah, good. Daniel 2 and 21, another confirmation says he controls the course of what? I got to get y'all to see this. Let's read this together. He controls the course of world events. Does it not say that? So who's, who's in control of the pandemic? He is. <laughs> he controls the course of worlds. You don't think he didn't know this was coming? He put it in motion. <laughs> he controls the course of world events. He removes kings and he sets up another king. So if Donald Trump make it, Because he the one who put him in power. If he don't make it, he say he'll, he'll set one up and he'll bring another one down. If he didn't, it's because it was a part of his plan and it was a part of his purpose. That whether it's Biden or whoever take it, it's part of his course of action. Because he's trying to do something. It's not about a stimulus check. <laughs> it's not about a grant. It's not about unemployment. It's about the purposes and will of the Father. So let's look at a biblical example of this. We're going to look at Jonah 2, 1 through 10. So Jonah had to experience a divine appointment. Now remember what I said a divine appointment is. A divine appointment is when the Father creates a situation so that a circumstance can change. Now a circumstance, remember, is when you decide you're going to do something according to your life. So Jonah decided <laughs> that he was not going to <laughs> go to Nineveh. And because of that, the father had to create a divine appointment. So Jonah 2, 1 through 10 says, Then Jonah, now this is when he decided, I'm not going to Nineveh. <laughs> okay. Then Jonah prayed to his God from the belly of the fish. He prayed in trouble, deep trouble. I prayed to God. He answered me. From the belly of the grave, I cried, help. You heard my cry. You threw me into the ocean's depths, into a watery grave. With ocean waves and ocean breakers crashing over me, I said, I've been thrown away. I've been thrown out, out of your sight. I'll never again lay eyes on your holy temple. Ocean gripping me by the throat. The ancient abyss grabbed me and held me tight. My head was all tangled in seaweed at the bottom of the sea where the mountains take root. I was as far down as a body can go, he said. And the gates were slamming shut behind me forever. Yet you pulled me up from the grave alive, O oh God, my God. 
When my life was slipping away, I remembered God and my prayer got through to you, made it all the way to your holy temple. Those who worship hollow gods, God frauds, walk away from their only true love, but I'm worshiping you, God, calling out in thanksgiving, and I'll do what I'll promise I'll do. Salvation belongs to God. Then God spoke to the what? Then God spoke to the fish. So the father gave the fish a divine appointment to swallow him up. And he spoke to the fish and said, and it vomited up Jonah on the seashore. Now we would think this was totally demonic. That was the devil. <laughs> the way he was describing this, he said that he was in a watery grave. He said his head was all tangled up in the seaweeds. And he said he thought, basically, he was like, I felt my life slipping away from me. He said... Do you see what it says? It, he said he was so he was so far down where the roots of the where the mountains take root at. <laughs> Seeing this, we would really think that this was demonic, but this was all God. Mm. <laughs> so, but it had to happen so that the Father could break Jonah's will. He had to break his will because he gave him an assignment. And Jonah decided, I'm just not going to do the assignment. He said, okay, if you're not going to do the assignment, then there's no need for you to be here. <laughs> because if you're not going to do what you originally was created to do, what is the use of being here? So just when you see at the end of Jonah pretty much saying, look, I surrender. I'm going to do what you said to do. <laughs> I'm going to do it. That's like verse what? Where is that? Towards the bottom. He said, but I'm worshiping you, God, calling out in thanksgiving, and I'll do what I promised I'll do. That was his way of saying, look, I surrender. Just get me out of here. So as Christians, we need to examine our circumstances. And acts if we are hearing the voice of the Father by asking the Father, what is he trying to reveal so that we will not make the same mistakes or repeat unnecessary cycles? Because we got to go through it. We got to pass the test. It's not one of those things like, okay, he told you to do step A. and You're like, well, I don't want to do it. I'm at, I'm at step B. Nope. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. <laughs> you cannot get past that. You cannot go to B. And that's why a lot of times you'll hear people say, you got to go back to what he told you. What did he tell you last time? And that's why they tell you that. Also, we want to ask yourself these two questions. You might want to write them down when it comes to your circumstances. You want to ask yourself these two questions. Number one. What's happening in my life currently, right now? What is happening in my life currently, right now? And the second question is, what is the Father 
revealing to me through these circumstances. So that's what's happening in my life currently right now. And then what is the Father revealing to me through these circumstances? Amen. So that is circumstances and divine appointments. So our next one we will be talking about as far as how the Father can speak to you is through supernatural visitations and divine appearances. Supernatural visitations and divine appearances. And our scripture reference that we'll be coming from will be Exodus 3 and 2. Actually, Exodus, it will actually be Exodus 3, 1 through 2. And it says, Moses was shepherding the flock of Jethro. His father-in-law, the priest of Midian, he led the flock to the west end of the wilderness and came to the mountain of God, Horeb. The angel of God appeared to him in flames of fire blazing out of the middle of a bush. He looked, the bush was blazing away, but it didn't burn up. So what are visitations? Thank you. <laughs> visitations are supernatural encounters between heaven and earth, between the heavenly realm and man. They are usually life-changing events, those kind of things that you will never be the same again. The Father can visit and appear to his people in any form that he chooses to. So when it comes to visitations and divine appearances, there are not just for believers. This is one of the ones that are not just for believers. The Father also appears to those who are antagonists of him in order to turn their heart towards him. So he'll do these appearances and visitations to believers and non-believers. So let's look at an example of that. We're going to look in Daniel 8 and 15. Now, the, the prophet Daniel of the Old Testament experienced a supernatural visitation from the Father, from the Lord, and the, also the audible voice of God. And that's what we're looking for here in Daniel 8 and 15. And it says, And it came to pass when I, even I, Daniel, had seen the vision and sought for the meaning. Then, behold, there stood before me as the appearance of a man. So this is a divine appearance and a supernatural visitation. And to be honest with you, it's happening here. Because I think, uh, was it Prophet uh, Quentin? He sees things here. He sees angels here. He sees different things here. Um, angelic visitations here. And as well as my son. My son, um, we had service on Sunday 
And when we got home, because I told you, you know, what the father told me in regards to my son, uh, he told me it's time to start training him in the prophetic because he holds that office. So I think it was like a, you know, a transfer, a transfer thing over from me to him. But he operates in the prophetic. And like I said, that's what the father told me. So it says time to start training him. So and it is so funny because before we came to church, really, the father had been dealing with me to tell him, like, if you see something or you hear something, you know, by all means, come up and say it and stuff like that. Because a lot of times with us being adults. And we see these things, it's like, mm, it's like we believe people, but we were like, did you really see that? Like, really? You know, so it's, but when it comes out of the mouth of a child, it's like our motto, can't be making this up. <laughs> you can't really make this stuff up. So we got home and he was like, he's like, well, first he was like, mom, I want to share a dream I had. So he shared his dream. And then he said, he's like, and then I had a vision um, in the church. He said, not a vision. He said, I saw something in the church that I want to um, tell you about. And I said, well, what did you see? So he said, you know, when um, Prophetess Lisa was um, up here and she was talking about the vision that God had gave for her, how like she was um, kind of like the bridge between Lionheart Church and then, you know, our church. And um, he said when she began to talk about that, when he's like, as soon as she said Lionheart and she said Divine Generations, he said, I saw, he was like, there was two men that was real, real, real tall, he said, standing behind her. And he said, he's like, you know how, you know, be on black ops. He said, like, they look like they, they come off like black ops, he said, and they was dressed in like all black. And he said they had weapons. And he said they wasn't saying anything. He said, but as but their presence behind her was, he said, is as if they were saying, "We got your back." And he said he saw this. So that's why I say you, you can't make this up. <laughs> this is like it's literally happening. Where are we? Daniel 8 and 15. So several times in the Bible, God revealed himself to ungodly kings and even to his people who breached, and this was in the Old Testament, their covenant with him. So you see a lot of times where he's doing a lot of appearances and visitations in different forms. So let's look at Acts 9, 3 through 5. Acts 9, 3 through 5. And so this is just another example for you. So this is where God reveals himself to Paul, remember, on the road of Damascus. And he speaks to Paul... Uh, regarding persecuting his church, which Paul's uh, conversation um, with him on that road. So let's read verse 3. 
And it says, so he obtained the authorization and left for Damascus. Now, this is before he got saved and he was doing things for the Lord. So this is when he was persecuting the church. So he says he obtained the authorization pretty much to kill Christians and left for Damascus. So just outside the city, a brilliant light flashing from heaven suddenly exploded all around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a booming voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The men accompanying Saul were stunned and speechless, for they heard a heavenly voice, but could see no one. Saul replied, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, the victorious the one who you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city where you will be told what you are to do. So the father, this is what we call a divine visitation. And so we're still having divine visitations and experiences and appearances in the body of Christ now today. The Father will appear in people's dreams. He will send angels to come and to speak to believers through prophetic encounters such as trances in which we talked about. And trans being translated in the spirit as well, amongst other things. So there are times he reveals himself through, for instance, remember, a burning bush. And then there was the times when he spoke through a donkey. So he can come in any form that he chooses to, whether it's a child, whether it's an animal, whether it's his creation. He decides how he wants to speak. So whenever the father reveals himself to you, the most basic definition of a visitation is that. However the father chooses to reveal himself to you, that is what you call a divine visitation. But a divine appearance is where you're literally seeing things in the spirit. You're seeing an angel. You're seeing a man. You're seeing things that's unexplainable. All right, so let us go to, like I said, I want to keep track of the time here. Hmm, I'm going to see. Let's see if we'll make it. We'll go to anointed songs, music, and dance. Now, this one's a little bit more, it's easier to comprehend and to understand. And we'll go to Psalms 126, 1 through 3. And it says, it was like a dream come true when you freed us from our bondage and brought us back to Zion. We laughed and laughed and over, overflowed with gladness. We were left shouting for joy and singing your praise. All the nations saw it and joined in saying, the Lord has done great miracles for them. Yes, he did mighty miracles and we are overjoyed. Now, so that is um, one of many scriptural references where there's there's praise in the Bible in the form of songs so there's lots of songs in the Bible so the father uses godly music and songs in order to share his heart towards you 
So prophetic worship songs, prophetic music, prophetic dance creates a prophetic atmosphere for the voice of the Father to be spoken through those areas, through song, through music, through dance. So let's look at a big biblical example. We'll go to 1 Samuel 16. We're going to read verses 14 through 23. And this is where David is um, being used by the Lord to bring deliverance to Saul, who was being actually influenced and dealing with the evil spirit. But I want you also to take note of who, sought, who, who actually sent this evil spirit for him to deal with it. Because it wasn't the devil. Verse 14, it says, Now the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul. And the Lord, now do a check mark on how many times you see, and the Lord did it. And the Lord sent, not Satan, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Some of Saul's servants said to him, a tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you. He will play soothing music and you will soon be well again. All right, Saul said, find me someone who plays well and bring him here. One of the servants says to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented heart player. Not only that, he is a brave warrior, a man of war, and he has good judgment. He is also a fine looking young man and the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, send me your son David, the shepherd. Jesse responded by sending David to Saul along with a young goat, a donkey loaded with bread and wineskin for full wineskin full of wine. I'm pretty sure there's a prophetic meaning for that, but we're not going to go into it. <laughs> so David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much and David became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent word to Jesse asking, please let David remain in my service for I am very pleased with him. And whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better and the tormenting spirit would go away. So sometimes whatever spirit <laughs> is weighing you down, you may not have, not only, it may not be coming from Satan, but it's one of those things that sometimes you just may not have the words to pray. Sometimes you are so down that the words cannot even come out. Sometimes you are so depressed, you're so filled with anxiety, you're so filled with fear and doubt and all of the cares of life and family and children and all these things get you so down to the point where you don't even have the words to pray. You don't even have the strength to pray. And that's where a lot of times music comes into play. Because when music comes into play, what it does is it just starts breaking all of that up. It helps you to release everything that you got going on. 
So I know personally, this is one like when I used to really deal with depression um, when I was younger, this used to be really my go-to music, worship, music, instrumental music, particularly really music that has song any song to it. But I just now because. Um, um, my husband and I really like it too now, but I like instrumental music as well. But it used my go-to used to be words with that. I mean, songs that have words in it. So also when um, I have also gone through, for instance, tough times, when I'm in a tough season, when um, I'm, I'm going through um, a circumstance or a situation. I'll do, I'll do music. I'll do praise. And it's like I say, it's just one of those things that sometimes, it's, it's one of those things that gives you an extra boost. It, it, uh, it allows that weight to just come off you so you can begin to pray. Because sometimes you're just not in, like I say, in, in, the, in the space to pray. You're not in the mind frame to pray based off of what's going on with you. Let us go to Colossians 3, 15 through 17. And this probably will be our last scripture. Because if I go into the other one, which I really want to go into, we it, it requires just a lot of in-depthness. So we won't go into that. We'll, we'll do a continuation. But let's go to Colossians 3, 15 through 17. And it says, let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other. In step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. And cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, which is the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. And sing, sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your lives, whether it's in words, actions, or whatever, be done in the name of the Master Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. So it's saying let the peace of Christ, the peace of Christ is going to keep you in tune with one another, in step with one another. So like it says, none of this going off and being by yourself because we need a community in order to stay strong, to keep growing, to build us up. And it said with that, you want to add to it. This is really a mathematical equation in, in the scripture. He said you want to add to that thankfulness. Be thankful in all things, he said. You add to the thankfulness the word. And it says, let the word have the run of the house. Meaning that let the word have the final say. Regarding every area in your life, it has the final say. It's running the house. It's running the show. Your emotions are not running the show. How you think or not, it's not running the show. He said, let 
the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Let it run your household. Whether it's a natural run of your household or your house as far as your house being your body, your spirit, your soul, your mind. It said give it plenty of room. That's important. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Which means that we're not trying to fit it into what we're doing. So if we're busy doing this, busy doing that, busy doing that, say, oh, now it's time for God. No, it said right here, give it plenty of room. You should be fitting everything else into God. It also said instruct and direct one another using good common sense. <laughs> instruct, meaning show. Direct. Meaning physically showing you. <laughs> Give you an instructions and showing you how to do it. Then show you how to do it by demonstration. And it says we do all of this with just common sense. It said then on top of that, it's a mathematical equation. So we want to add to that singing in your hearts. And when we do that, it says we want to add to that. And allow every detail of your life, whether it be what you say, what you do, how you act. It says, let it be done in the name of the master Jesus. Why is it saying that? Because he was the one that demonstrated how to walk like a full son of God on the earth. It didn't say the Holy Spirit. It said, let it be done in the name. Not saying the name, but in the name of the master Jesus. Because when we walk like he walked, we become under, we come under his mission of how he did it. So it says, be done in the name of the master Jesus. And then the last step to that, he said, when we did all of that, who would we thank? The father. Every step of the way. Every step of the way, we thank him. So anointed songs and music can minister to us in ways that we cannot even understand. There is power in the words that are sung and keys and notes that are played. Through anointed songs and music, we receive deliverance a lot of times people receive and soul healing. This is when the Father purges you and hinges a lot of times the bro your broken heart through songs. So what does that let us know? That music in itself is in a category all by itself. Music is the only thing that infiltrates you without your permission. Without your permission. That's why they use it as a tactic when you're in the store. It's a tactic because it infiltrates you. Have you ever left the store singing a song? You're like... I wasn't even listening to that song. Like, where did that song even come from? It went into your spirit when you was shopping. You didn't even know that was playing Michael Jackson. <laughs> you just come out the store <laughs> singing some Michael Jackson. You was like, I wouldn't even, you don't even have to sing along with the song. And soon, it's like, it's like when you cook it and you do something, it just come out. Because it, it went into your spirit. 
It don't need your permission. <laughs> so music itself is powerful that even secular songs carry spirits that are attached to them. So we must be careful of the songs that we listen to because they can influence or impact our moods, our emotions, and even excite sexual or sensual appetites. And we know this. Because just think about it. Like when you was in the world, and I know some songs that when I was in the club, <laughs> that I don't care where I am. You hear that song, come on? <laughs> some little John drop it low. <laughs> that happens is because there is something attached to you. There was an encounter attached to you. There was an experience attached to you in regards to that song when it came out, when it did come out. You know where you were. You know what you was doing. <laughs> you know the dance for that song. Everything. So that is really how powerful music is. <laughs> so we got to be careful because like I say it, it, it ignites a mood because the thing about it you can't put on what I'm thinking you can't put on Biggie and Tupac and pray in the spirit with, with that it's just not going to work <laughs> it's just not going to work <laughs> you can't put on M, what is it, MJ, it was MJG an eight ball. You cannot. You can't. You can't pray to that in the spirit. You can't warfare in the spirit with that. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> so specific, specific songs will bring us into past memories. Whether it was a, a old boyfriend that we had, it'll give us flashbacks, thought about times, events circumstances and people so that's why we have to be careful what we listen to so father we thank you right now for your word father we thank you that you are speaking to us father several different ways Lord God father help us not to put you in a box Lord God for you are not restricted father from speaking to us Lord God in regards to just human natural language father we thank you that you choose father the way in which you speak father but let us not father miss Lord God you speaking we thank you father that your Holy Spirit father is revealing to us father the, the true father concerning everything that you are speaking father that it is highlighting, Lord God, the different ways in which you are speaking to us, Lord God, and revealing to us, Father, what you are saying.